nothing we can do about the collective stupidity of government other than figure out how to exploit it. This is an economy of one. Your beacon guiding you through the turbulent waters of the political economy. The market no longer is the invisible hand of mutual gain, but the choking grip of political self-interest. Liberty is not given. It must be taken. Let's take it back together today. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An economy of one with Gary Rathman, CEO of Private Wealth Consultants and your free market voice of the U.S. This is our Greetings and welcome again to An Economy of One. I am your host, Gary Rathman. Our website, aneconomyofone.com. Aneconomyofone.com, as is our Facebook, An Economy of One. If you want to send me a question or a comment, you can send it to producer at aneconomyofone.com. That's producer at aneconomyofone.com. Well, I want to spend some time with you today that is a little different than what I usually spend. Today is the 15th anniversary of the Islamic terrorist attacks of 9-11. 9-11, 2001, we were attacked Roughly 3,000 Americans were murdered on our own soil by Islamic terrorists. Now, that whole sentence that I just gave you, most politicians won't say that. I just want to talk about that. That was a very important day in my life. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's kind of like other major events in your life. You can remember clearly a birth of a child, I'm sure, uh, marriage, assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan, the assassination of President Kennedy, first man on the moon. I remember watching that on TV. So 9-11 is one of those days that I remember very, very vividly. I even remember a lot of the emotion I had around that. It's quarter to nine on a Tuesday morning. And uh, when the first plane hit the North Tower, of the World Trade Center. And about 15 minutes later, the second plane hit the South Tower. And by that time, we knew it wasn't an accident. We knew the first one wasn't an accident. And I I remember just almost being paralyzed. Uh, I called my wife and made sure she turned on the TV to see what was happening. But it, it was just almost shock, because never in my life had we been attacked on our own property, on our own soil. And a little bit later, another plane flies into the Pentagon. And uh, then a little bit later, we hear of a plane being downed in uh, Pennsylvania. It wasn't until later that we learned that that plane was headed for the White House. So very, very strong emotions for that day. About 10 o'clock in the morning, the South Tower of the uh, World Trade Center collapsed. Remember watching that? About 10.30, the North Tower collapsed. A little over 100 minutes after it was hit by a plane. It was just amazing. I called friends in New York to see if they were okay. I had friends that uh, they never found in that tower. We did business with Cantor Fitzgerald bond trading company and I had people that I'd worked with for years and knew and 
Never found them, never heard from them again. They, they were vaporized with the rest of the building. And, I mean, it really changed this country. And I think about all the stuff that happened. President Bush was in office at that time. And within 45 minutes of the first plane attacking, he said that this was a terrorist attack on our country. And nobody had a problem saying that this was a terrorist attack. And a little bit later, once we found out more, nobody had a problem saying it was an Islamic terrorist attack. One of the things that baffles me, even to this day, it baffles me that politicians won't say Islamic terrorist attack. They won't say it. I mean, Donald Trump is saying it. He's very clear. And he puts Hillary Clinton on the spot. He puts President Obama on the spot for not saying it. And they just simply refuse to say it. That the, the political correctness is so ingrained in their brain, they can't do it. I think if you put them under torture, they wouldn't be able to say it. And I don't know why. Why are we so sensitive about one religion taking offense to something we might say. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove me that it wasn't Islamic terrorists. Prove that to me, and I'll change my language. But you can't. You can't because it's the facts. It's the truth. And we were attacked on our own soil. 3,000 Americans were murdered murdered they weren't victims of a crime they were murdered on our own soil 15 years ago we have not won the war on terror i'm not even sure we're fighting a war on terror i think we're fighting a war on truth and on fact but 15 years and we've spent trillions of dollars needlessly without identifying the problem or the enemy. It's incredible to me. I, I, I just, I remember vividly watching that on TV. And the political correctness we have today has just gone beyond imagination. I, I, I don't even have a word to describe it. But these people will not say Islamic terrorists. They will not say radical Islamic jihadists. They won't say those words. Why not? Why not? It, it, it's absolutely incredible that these people are so... I don't know why I, 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 I'm so fearful of words. Why? I, I just, I, I'm baffled. I, I don't understand why they are like this and what the downside is. What's the, these people want to be elected. They want to be elected by Americans. They want Americans to vote for them. And if they want Americans to vote for them, you're not going to change the electorate. You're not going to convince the electorate that, that they're wrong, that the 
Islamic terrorists that attacked us on that day were a small, independent, radical group not associated with the religion at all. You're not going to convince us of that. People, you running for office, not buying it. My home base, Toledo, Ohio. I saw the film of Muslims around the country, including in Detroit, just north of us, celebrating, laughing and celebrating that the Twin Towers got destroyed, that the Pentagon got hit, that Americans got murdered. I saw it. It was not Photoshopped. It's not rumor. I went to New York shortly after the attack on the Twin Towers. It was soon enough that you could still smell it. I went down to the financial district, went down to see what was left. And it was incredible. Absolutely, you could still smell it. You could still smell powdered concrete. Absolutely incredible. And it changed New York. And I think it changed New York even still, as we remember. But at the time, I I go to New York quite often, and there was a whole new level of camaraderie and friendliness. Everybody talked to everybody. Didn't matter. I've I've rode subways in New York for years in in cars that were completely silent. Nobody talked to anybody. Not after 9-11. Everybody was talking. Everybody was relating stories. I had friends whose wife was in the bottom of Tower 1 when it got hit. And she took off running. And she got out before the tower collapsed, obviously. But can you imagine? Can you imagine being there? She made it 12 blocks or something to her son's apartment. Absolutely horrific. And 15 years later, 15 years is a long time, and it's not a very long time. But 15 years later, people still refuse to say the truth. And I just don't understand. I don't understand why that is. Up next, I want to show you, I want to share with you some of the political correctness that is gone on steroids. It's just absolutely, absolutely disgusting. I'll say it. Because it's just amazing that we as an American people have allowed this political correctness to get out of hand. And uh, it, it needs to be pointed out. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Just as a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy retired, will be joining me. You may remember him. He was a commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under suicide terrorist attack by Al-Qaeda in the port of Aden, Yemen. 
So Commander Kurt Lippold will be joining me in just a few minutes. This is the 15th anniversary of the attack of 9-11. And if you remember, if you were around, some people weren't, you know, and that's hard to to imagine because it seems like only yesterday, but, you know, there's people uh, that were uh, children that didn't really uh, know what was going on or weren't born yet or whatever. But two planes flew into the World Trade Center, one plane in the North Tower, one in the South Tower, and within 45 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half, those two towers collapsed from aircraft fuel burning at such a degree that it melted the or weakened the the steel so the entire buildings collapsed another plane uh, was hijacked and flew into the um, pentagon and a fourth plane crashed in uh, shanksville pennsylvania flight 93 now that one was uh, especially poignant because members uh, passengers on that plane were allowed to call people so they called their loved ones, they called their family, friends, and they were informed what was going on, that planes had been flown into the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, and uh, apparently they, they pretty much knew that they were the fourth plane and they were destined to, to crash into something. And if you remember, that's where we got the phrase, let's roll. And those passengers tried taking over uh, recapturing the hijacked plane that they were on, Flight 93, and it consequently crashed uh, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Killed everybody on board, of course, but uh, later we find out that was destined for the White House. Now, I want to point out on this situation is that Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where that flight crashed, has become a national park now. Uh, they've preserved the site, and... Uh, uh, there's not one word on the government website that Islamist terrorist hijacked the four planes, including the one that crashed in Pennsylvania. It's about 70 miles east of uh, Pittsburgh. Website says the planes were hijacked, but it does not say who hijacked them. Site says 3,000 people tragically lost their lives. and lose their lives. They were murdered by Islamic terrorists. Why can't we say that? The administration, other politicians consistently refuse to identify the terrorists as Muslim terrorists. Reading the website, you don't know, if you don't know the history or current events, such as many voters out there that vote for she who shall remain nameless, uh, would have no way of knowing that Muslim terrorists hijacked four planes and killed 3,000 Americans on our own soil. It's like saying bombs fell at Pearl Harbor, Harbor and Americans tragically lost their lives. Political correctness gone stupid. This is relevant language from the, 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 the website. On Tuesday morning, September 11, 2001, the U.S. came under attack when four commercial airliners were hijacked and used to strike targets on the ground. Nearly 3,000 people tragically lost their lives because of the actions of 40 passengers and crew aboard one of the planes, Flight 93. The attack on the U.S. Capitol was thwarted. Now, one can say that describes things and it evokes a certain amount of emotion. I would say it's incomplete. 
it leaves out certain facts that are relevant to that situation. To further example, the political correctness gone awry, this week uh, Walmart in Florida had a Coke display remembering 9-11. Now, you want to go to the Internet and look this up. I think we'll put it on our Facebook uh, and put it up. But people were furious, furious at at Walmart for a 9-11-themed Coke display. It was brilliant. They stacked up different kinds of cases of Coca-Cola that represent different colors and essentially made a giant American flag out of Coke boxes with two towers going up through the center. And for the towers, they used uh, Coke Zero, which is in black boxes or dark-colored boxes. And uh, it's brilliant. That's ground zero. We referred to the uh, Twin Towers as ground zero for a long time. And they built two representative towers with zero Coke. Brilliant. Is it marketing? Sure it is. But so what? It's marketing from a patriotic standpoint. It's no different than than Budweiser naming their beer America. It's marketing, and it's marketing with emotion. I loved it. Loved it. Few people complain. And, of course, Walmart took it down. And uh, I don't know if they apologized, but uh, um, the display was was taken down. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Doesn't show insensitivity because they use Coca-Cola and they're selling Coke. Uh, Coke is as American as the the Twin Towers were. I mean, come on. This is Coca-Cola, and uh, there were thousands of people that had a favorable uh, reaction to it. Few people didn't, so they take it down. Absolutely insane. Coming up next, Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy retired, former commander of the USS Cole, will be joining me. I'm Gary Rathbun. It's an economy of one. Gary Rathbun, an economy of one. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Joining me now is Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy retired. If you remember, he was a commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under suicide terrorist attack by Al-Qaeda in the port of Aden, Yemen. He's the uh, author of the book Front Burner, Al-Qaeda's Attack on the USS Cole, and currently serves as president of Lippold Strategies, LLC, a consulting firm specializing in executive leadership development and long-range strategic planning. Commander, welcome back to An Economy One. Hey, great to be back on the show again, Gary. It's been a while since we've talked. A lot has happened uh, in the world. It seems like almost every day, maybe not every day, but every week, Iran is, is out there in the Persian Gulf just trying to poke us in the eye. What's your take on on what's going on over there? Well, Gary, for the first time, I am advising a little bit of 
patience and cautious with this one. And the main reason I'm saying that is while they are harassing us mm-hmm. and driving their boats and causing us to maneuver, you have to look a little bit deeper than the surface. And who are these guys? It is the Iranian Republican Guard Navy Force. They are somewhat rogue members from the people that were working in the government and that are more moderate. These are the real radicals. And you have to remember, the IRGC would love to pick a fight with the United States because then that would give them the excuse to back out of the nuclear program and restart it. They never wanted any negotiations to begin with. So while they may be harassing us a little bit, patients should be advised. However, that should never mean that we should take the first hit or lower our guard. I think that that you're in a unique position. I mean, you know, if you were commander of, uh, what what was it, the USS Firebolt that that most recently was out there, I mean, how how would your experience, I mean, I I was telling my producer, uh, Josh, off air, I said, it's a good thing I'm not in charge because I think I'd blow them all right out of the water and, probably have to deal with the consequences but i mean you lost you lost sailors under your command because of something not too dissimilar to this well i I think the big difference is is that you know these kind of harassing maneuvers that we are seeing from the iranians while not nearly as sophisticated and done as at high a level as it was during the uh, days of the Soviet Union and the U.S. operating in the Mediterranean, for example, mm-hmm. clearly what they're trying to do is present us with circumstances to drive an overreaction so that they can justify what they want to do. Now, I think that we make it very clear to our commanders over there at this point that we should have the forces in the region necessary that when this type of things happen, guess what? You plant warfighters right over the top of those small little boats, and you make it very clear to the Iranians that this type of behavior is not going to be tolerated, that we are not going to maneuver our ships, that we're going to continue our right of innocent passage in international waters or even their territorial waters if necessary, depending on where you are in the Gulf, because we have a right to be there under international law. And they can harass us, that's fine, but we should not be willing and ready to take that first hit. If anything happens, they take the first hit, and we make it with such overwhelming force that it takes their breath away. Now, you know, you mentioned earlier that these are the the uh, kind of the rogue guys of the uh, Iranian Navy, the the Islamic uh, Revolutionary Guard, uh, and the government is is fairly moderate or at least a little more moderate than this. We blow them out of the water. Will that will that moderate government uh, take steps against us at that point? Uh, they they would be in a very awkward position because clearly they're going to put the word out through their media for their public consumption that makes it appear like the United States picked this fight. Okay. So they can frame it any way they want to their people, but at the end of the day. We should not be absorbing the first hit by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned that this, uh, you know, should we pull the trigger too soon or something like that, that this would give them an avenue to to pursue their nuclear program. Given what I've read and, and you know, I, I, I know it's not at the level that that you're exposed to as some of this stuff. Aren't they pretty much doing their their their. Uh, 
nuclear program the way they want to now, regardless of the, the treaty that John Kerry was involved in? Um, no, they've actually had to give up many of their centrifuges and not be able to use them and put them under UN supervision and lock and key. They have not been able to do some of the in-depth research. However, that said, when you look at the flip side of the fact that the Iranians are now coordinating more than we anticipated with the North Koreans, mm-hmm. you have to remember the Iranians are still continuing to conduct ballistic missile tests in violation of international law, the U.S. is doing nothing about it while the current administration tries to cement a legacy for this president because they don't want anything to go on in these last few months that might disrupt things. I mean, trust me, I look at it and I say the world is very similar to what I was experiencing on coal at the end of the Clinton administration. They want to just preserve the status quo no matter what, no matter how many Americans die, no matter what happens in the Navy, because they want to preserve a president's legacy with nothing bad going on. That's what I live with, and 17 of my sailors died as a result. Right now, the Navy is being set up to potentially fall to the same thing because Obama does not want to do anything in response to the Iranian harassment. Now, you know, that being said, uh, once again, from your experience, I I don't even know the right word. Is it likely that one of these rogue uh, ships or one of these rogue guys uh, does to one of our ships what they did to the coal? I don't think so. I think that the the Iranian Guard folks know that there is a limitation. Uh, While they can drive up and they can harass, I doubt you're going to see anything as devastating as a suicide attack taking place because – If these Iranian guard boats were to engage in that activity, there would be a response from the United States government that would essentially wipe out their naval facilities and their ability to project power into the Gulf and shut down the Strait of Hormuz. Because we would not only ensure that they were punished for that action, we would take it a step further and make sure that the Iranians, at least I would hope our naval commanders, would have an operation put the forces in place that would eliminate Iran's ability to project any naval force into the Gulf, whether it was suicide boats, high-speed boats, or their actual naval vessels. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to see them out there with canoes trying to to uh, I don't protect even want their to, I wouldn't even want them in canoes, Gary. <laughs> I, want them, I want them, if they do something like that, if they did a coal-style attack against one of our ships, I want them wiped out. I want no wiggle room left for them to do anything in the Gulf. You, you think our State Department and this administration would would do that? I think if American sailors died, there would be a big enough uproar from the American people that it would drive a response by the administration. Uh, and at that point, it becomes an issue where, just like the attack on coal, if you attack Navy ships, you are trying to reduce or eliminate our nation's ability to defend itself on the high seas. That is an act of war. And the Iranians know that that is a, you know, the president can talk about red lines and back off of them when it comes to chemical weapons in Syria. But this would be one where American lives would be at stake, would have been lost, and that we would have to react in a manner appropriate to what the Iranians did to us. We're speaking with Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy retired. He was the commanding officer of the USS Cole and most recently serves as president of Lippold Strategies, LLC. Uh, Commander, um, let's switch gears a little bit. What's your thoughts 
on, I mean, the, the, the polls show that most Americans think that uh, the United States paid Iran uh, $400 million in ransom for for some American prisoners. And later it came out it was about $1.7 billion that was was released or negotiated or, or something. Uh, from from a military standpoint, what, what's your thoughts on what that does for our image and, and our strength in, in that part of the world? Gary, I think it continued a pattern where the administration, again, makes the American government, much less just the military, but the American government look weak ineffective and willing to negotiate or to capitulate on any demand that the Iranians have. That money could have been wire transferred through an intermediary that we've worked with for years, like the Swiss or any other European country. It wasn't. The fact that they gave them untraceable $1.7 billion in cash loaded onto pallets, delivered in the dark of night, and that we got hostages back as a result. Number one is indicative to me that it, in fact, was ransom payment, and you can frame it any way you want. You know, it, it, that's what it comes down to. And two, we just put American lives at risk around the world because that money will go to support organizations like Hezbollah, like Hamas. It will undermine the governments of countries like Lebanon. Iranians will continue to support forces in Yemen. They can buy arms on the black market. And what did we do? We gave them an untraceable source of funds to be able to do it. That, to me, is such an utter and complete compromise in our ideals as Americans that it should take Americans' breath away that this president allowed that to happen. Now, you know, and, and without getting too too deep into it, but for a, a lame duck president who's not really lame duck at, at this point, but for a lame duck tr- president trying to cement his legacy, why would he do something like this? I mean, th- this could come back and bite us for, for years and years and years. Why would Why would the State Department and this administration – uh, agree to something like that? You know, I honestly don't know. And, and that's a question that, you know, if you ask the administration, they will say, well, it wasn't a ransom payment. They'll say, well, there was no other means to pay the Iranians. And at the end of the day, that does not hold up under the light of day. It yeah. does not hold up under the litmus test of truthfulness because there were other methods available to them. They just chose not to exercise them because the Iranians went to the bargaining table and we capitulated to give them what they wanted instead of what we needed for our national security interest. I, I just I'm almost speechless. I don't understand why they would do this, because the vast, vast majority of Americans know it was a ransom. They know it was a payoff. They know it's going to bite us in the butt in the future. And none of us agree with it. But yet, the administration went ahead and, and did it anyway. Well, we've been speaking with Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy retired. Uh, Commander, once again, this has been a true honor for me. Thank you for all your service. Thank you for your time tonight. And uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Same, same, Gary. And, uh, you know, the one thing is we go into the uh, fall election season here. Just all I can tell you is that I can moderate 
Yeah. When you have brashness, I can educate the uneducated, but I cannot correct unethical, corrupt, and lack of integrity. I, I, I agree. I appreciate it, Commander. We'll talk again soon. Coming up next, you'll be glad to know you're lazy. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. That was Commander Kurt Lippold, United States Navy, retired. I uh, I really enjoy talking to him. The man is extraordinarily knowledgeable and uh, always, always insightful. Proud to have him on this 9-11 anniversary. Speaking of pride, or lack thereof, uh, President Obama spoke outside the country this uh, week. He was in Laos and called Americans lazy. So just in case you didn't hear it, I want to repeat it for you. You're lazy. Now, sadly enough, there are some fronts where I will agree with President Obama that some Americans are lazy. But to me, it's more intellectual laziness than it is activity laziness or productivity laziness. His laziness revolves around the environment. To quote, usually when you see the environment destroyed, it's not because it's necessary for development, President Obama said. It's usually because we're being lazy and we're not being as creative as we could be about how to do it smarter in a more sustainable way. He also accused Americans of being isolated and ignorant because the United States is such a big country. Quote, the United States is and can be a great force for good in the world, but because we're such a big country, we haven't always had to know about other parts of the world, he said. If you're in the United States, sometimes you can feel lazy and think we're so big, we don't have to really know anything about other people. Now, this is classic. This is classic, insulting us by using the word we instead of us, trying to have some humility there. But I don't like being called lazy. I don't like being called intellectually lazy. I don't like I don't like being classified as not being smarter or being part of what he thinks is the best way to do things in this country. Now you remember when he was was uh, running for office? He would say, uh, what they're, they're going to try to do is make you scared of me. Obama said at a rally in Union, Missouri, you know, he doesn't look like all those other presidents on the dollar bills. Well, once again, this is classic because there's only one president on uh, the dollar bill. George Washington, of course. Now, we all know what he meant, but that's not what he said. So uh, you point that out, you're a racist. You know, that's the ultimate label today is to be a racist. And we have a president that thinks we're lazy. We're lazy because we don't immediately jump and implement his ideas about the environment or this country. Yeah, we are a big country. We're not that big, but we're great. We are a great country. Do we have our problems? Absolutely have our problems. But you know what? 
this is the only place in the world I want to live. I only want to be here, and quite honestly, I don't ever want to leave the United States again. I've been all over the world, and uh, this is where I want to be. And it's a great place, it's a great country, and great people. And on this anniversary of 9-11, I think we need to remember back to 9-11-2001 and what was brought out in us as a country because of those events. What was brought out? I think that it's in our genetics. I think it's in our genes that we are, number one in the world, want to stay that way, want to be that way. I'm, I'm tired of people wanting to beat themselves up and apologize for what America is. Greatest country in the world. We got the greatest governing document in the world and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These people don't believe in either document. It's outdated. It's uh, living, meaning it can be changed. Doesn't mean what it says it means. It means what I say it means. And uh, it's racist, of course. Everything is racist in this country now. That's the, the word. Everything is racist. If you do a word search for articles with the term racist, you'll get millions of them. Millions of articles that use the term racist and universities that are pointing diversity officers that are penalizing people that uh, there's even a major for diversity, uh, associate's degree in diversity or something like that. I forget what college it was, but people are looking for any way they can to be insulted from microaggressions like have a good day to Coca-Cola displays at Walmart. I think the Coca-Cola display, brilliant idea. I wouldn't have been offended. Might have taken a picture of it just because I think it's a brilliant idea. Causes you to remember. If you're offended by that, but not offended when someone doesn't use the term Islamic, radical, Muslim, terrorist, you got a problem, my friend. You got a big problem. And that's where this election concerns me because I'll agree with President Obama. There are a certain amount of the electorate that is intellectually lazy. They're not concerned about the facts. They're not concerned about history. They're not concerned whether someone's telling the truth or not. What they're concerned with is who's going to give them the most from somebody else. Who's going to give them that entitlement? that they want. Who's going to give them that check, that food stamp, that whatever? That's who they'll vote for. That, my friend, is laziness. Fighting the government on their EPA regulations to try and confiscate my land and, and prohibit my productivity, that is not lazy. That is America. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. See you next time. This is our country. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor. 